Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm Steven. I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts Tom and William. Now, we've got a pretty exciting episode today, but first, let me introduce our guest for today, Teresa from Star Wars Bookworms. Teresa, welcome back to the show. Yay! Twice in one season, twice in one season. I'm super Woo. excited. Yay, hey. Look at that. We've already improved on our record from last season, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, glad, glad to have, to have you back, back on. on. Thanks. Jinx, Tom. Jinx. You will. Now, today we are going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 15 of Rebels, titled Trials of the Darksaber. But first, a couple of announcements. William or Tom, one of you, why don't you give us the news? How about we paper, scissors, rock, William? One, two, three. I guess it's me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, William, you do the episode right now and I'll take these. Um, okay. Based on the current trajectory, the series finale will be on April 1st. Now, unless they do another double episode or take time off, that's probably going to be just before Celebration. Do you oh, think that's going to be the case? And is well, it planned? Also, so uh, let, let's thank you, Tom, for starting this. I, I actually no realized I probably uh, confused you a little bit here. Oh, you did. Uh, this is based purely on <laughs> my estimations. If – so – we're back after two weeks off. Sorry, surprise. We thought we were going to be recording last weekend, and we didn't. Um, but uh, we, you know, we had our busy schedules and everything. But more importantly, the show took a month off, and so we don't get a new episode this weekend, which is why we were originally going to do Trials of the Dark Saber and the next episode together. But uh, we're just going to give you Trials of the Dark Saber this weekend, and we have to wait until. February 19th, I believe, for mm. the next episode of the show, which is a long wait. It's going to be an excruciating wait, especially after, sorry, February 18th, especially after how awesome this episode is. And I cannot wait to discuss it with you guys. Um, but if the show returns on February 18th and then does not take any episodes off or does not do any double episodes, then the season finale will probably be on April 1st. Uh, again, though, they might do a two-part finale, which would make it one week earlier. They also might take some time off, which would make it later. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. But that'll be right before Celebration Orlando, which means if they take a couple more weeks off, we might actually get the season finale at Celebration Orlando. That would be cool. I but then those who are going to be gonna there happen. are going to actually see it. Oh, sorry, Teresa. Sorry, Teresa. No, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to take some time off and then... We're not going to get a trailer like we did at last celebration because it was already over. I think we're going to get that season finale. And mm -hmm. if y'all remember, we got the trailer and then we got to go and see. I forget what what was it, it was like the first two episodes. Yeah, the, yep. the first two episodes of the next season. Right. So I don't think I think we're going to get the finale is what we're mm -hmm. going to get. I, I think it's very possible. But that means I would have to take. Let's see if, if they probably are going to do a two part finale. If I had to guess, uh, especially to make it a big thing for the, for, you know, for the end of the season with Thrawn and Maul and everything. So if they take a two part finale celebration, Orlando is, is the 15th. They would have to take probably three weeks off 
uh, another three weeks off, either interspersed or all at once. But we'll see. I can see it happening. Yeah, yeah. they've done it to us before for sure. So I just, I guess, figured the, do you think they would do that? They would. Do you think they would delay the show just so they could show it at Celebration? I think it would depend on what they want to show. If it's going to well, be a heck so, of an episode. I mean, keep in mind, we've got things like the Super Bowl coming up that I feel like they've taken the break on in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, the Super like, Bowl is going to be during yeah. this break already. Um, oh, that's true. You're right. Yeah, Never mind. yeah it's actually next so maybe... weekend. But you are right, though. I mean, there, there might be other things going on they might take a break for. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other like, holidays and things like that we have. Also, that means that they would be airing it the same day they show it at Celebration. They were all speculating here, folks. Uh, which means no, they would be airing absolutely... it on Easter weekend when who knows what people will be out of town or busy or something. So their viewership number, their, their, that's, their that's ratings might they, be lower. That's if they air it, though. I mean, they may show it to us at Celebration and it won't actually air until the next weekend. Yeah, I don't think right. they would actually air Which it means they have to take them another month off. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure. I don't think they would modify the the show's schedule just for just for a convention. I think that's my, that's my theory. the convention is a part of their schedule. Hmm. Interesting. I hate to say I mean, this, they've but known right when Celebration is going to be for a long time. So. Yeah, and I think True. right now only time's going to tell. I mean, the closer we get to celebration, we'll figure it out. If they say we're going to take another hiatus, and then at that point, we can figure out if that's what they're aiming to do. Yep. We're just completely speculating, like I said, though. So who actually knows what's really going to happen here? But Tracy Kenobio. Kind of... <laughs> well, Tracy does, yes. <laughs> we love Tracy. And, and other folks at Lucas. Yes. Um, so wait, we're kind on. of burying the lead. There is a was, big, gonna big, say. big announcement that we completely uh, have not discussed yet. Major announcement. It, it, it's that big? I mean, I hear I, the I mean, last so. announcement, right? The well, last one ever? Well, I don't think it's the last plural ever. or singular, Stephen? That is an excellent question. You know, announcement can actually be both. Hmm. No, Wait, what are we talking? Hang on, sorry. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm very confused now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, the, the big news is Star Wars Episode Eight is officially going to be titled... The Last Jedi. What do you guys think of the title? I love it. I think it's very Thoughts? fitting. I'm sorry. What's so I'm funny, Teresa? Hold, I've been holding in my laughter. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, like, I go, okay, it's a name. I don't really care. Really? really? No. no. Okay. Okay, wait. The, what I like, the theory I love that's out there right now, when you put The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi together... It makes a sentence. And in my yeah. opinion, now wait a minute, in my opinion, and people are going to probably debunk it, I don't care. I like the idea of that basically, and it makes sense. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. And the last title of the, the episode nine, it's going to make one complete sentence. Yeah, so that I've, very well it's, could happen. I've seen the leak. Yeah. It's supposedly The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi from his nap. Yes. Star Wars Episode Nine from his nap. You, you here, heard here it here first, first. or or from or from his deep sleep. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> no, why? It's, why? Uh, see, I don't get into speculating on the titles, and here's why: I don't speculate about film, the movies in general. So uh-huh. I stay away from anything and everything that has to do with people trying to figure the story out because I just want to go in completely blank. 
I only watch the trailers that Lucasfilm actually mm. makes available. And so I'm back into that mode, just like I mm. was for The Force Awakens. So I'm like, okay, The Last Jedi. Cool. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's fair. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan, though. I think... I do like how this title is very ambiguous. You know, if, at first glance, it's like the last Jedi. Who's the last Jedi? But then you realize, as we were joking about earlier, Jedi can be both singular and plural. Mm-hmm. And so it could refer to Luke or Rey or Luke and Rey or some other Jedi or group of Jedi, which is so awesome, I think. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the title was actually in the opening crawl um and in return of the jedi right you know when i'm going gone am i the last of the jedi will you be and then uh you know in the crawl for the force awakens it says you know skywalker the last jedi uh that sort of thing so i'm a big fan of the title i can't wait also did you guys see the official poster the logo's in red yeah oh, that yeah. i did see. all right yes right? Okay. Teaser poster. that calling that a poster is a very strong yeah. uh it, it's the teaser poster yeah i was gonna say okay. teaser. yeah I it's, guess it's totally. Yeah, I'm with Reese on this. I, but fine. The I, logo, the logo is red. Okay, so here, here's. I will say two things. Two things. One, they've never used the same word apart from like a, the, and stuff in a title before. They've never repeated a word. It's the first time they've done that. So, Return of the Jedi and the Last Jedi. First time that's ever happened. And the true. second thing is the logo is in red. And when the Clone Wars did a red logo, it meant that Maul was returning. So therefore, Maul is going to be an episode. Uh, thank go. you, Teresa Loves Maul. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the username Teresa logged into the call with. Uh, for those of you who are not with us right now. Which is everyone. Uh, but no, wow. you're, you're actually completely right, Teresa. And, um, you know, I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen a red logo for Star Wars, no, right? We, we saw it with... Uh, Revenge of the Sith and mm. um, Return of the Jedi. So this is not uh, this is not new, um, but it's it's interesting that they're one doing it in the second episode and two. I don't know. It, it could be that they're just trying to you know make it look slightly different because the teaser logos are are you know pretty simplistic, right? It's the Star Wars logo with the with the Last Jedi in in between Star and Wars, mm. uh, and so at first glance, like coloring it something different makes it a lot more obvious that this is a different poster and not the force awakens or a different logo yeah um, then that i wonder if it has a deeper nine. meaning episode nine will be blue then if we're going with primary colors yellow probably blue. but if they're following a pattern i mean you had empire strikes back was like the the darkest episode you had mm-hmm. attack of the clones was one that actually where the quote-unquote war broke out so if they're kind of following that pattern Maybe there's something in this that's either going to be very dark or some kind of major battle or something's going to happen. I mean, that's that's following a pattern so to to you know. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, Tom. I'm gonna go agree ahead. that in episode eight, something is going to happen. I don't oh, know absolutely. what that something Whoa. is, Tom, but something. Steven. Steven, wow. I know, sorry, I, I, should, I should have spoiler tagged that. Speculation, people, <laughs> speculation. Something has got to happen. All right, we need William. We've got one more announcement. Just we need to get to something that is actually the episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you're curious about what happened to uh, Jin and uh, Chirrut and Baze before 
Rogue One, where there are going to be two new books coming out on, I believe, May 2nd, May 5th. Um, I'm failing here as a host. And uh, there are Rebel Rising, written by Beth Revis, and uh, Guardians of the Wills, written by Greg Rucka. And uh, they're, you know, slightly more like a middle grade or young adult novel books, but um, these will tell the story of what happened to Jin uh, in the early days, you know, when she was with Saw. And then uh, Chirrut and Bay's, the Chirrut and Bay's novel will talk about uh, what happened to them after the Empire invaded um, uh, Jedha. And so they team up with Saw Gerrera, actually, uh, which just looks very interesting. So well, definitely it's, stayed it's in. important to point out, though, that Rebel Rising is a YA book, whereas mm-hmm. Guardian of the Wills is a middle grade. And I'm, I find that to be very important because of the way that some of these things are written. And that means that it's the second, no, the third YA book written by a female author, which is just amazing right now. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Oh, it's May 2nd, by the way. Oh, thank you. I thought it was May 2nd, but <clears throat> thank you for confirming. So with that, uh, Tom, you want to take us into the episode rundown? Sure. We're going to be reviewing tonight, Season 3, Episode 15, Trials of the Dark Saber. This was written by Dave Filoni, and it was directed by Stuart Lee. In an effort to recruit her people to join the Rebels, Sabine reluctantly agrees to learn to wield the ancient Mandalorian weapon, but soon finds out the challenge is more difficult than expected. It's it, it's great. You know, it's Originally, the uh, working title was The Blade Trials, and I guess if you've been following the series, you can imagine that the blade and the ancient weapon they're talking about for Mandalore is the Dark Saber. So I have to say that I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to the opening because it was one of my favorite parts of the episode. But when Fenn is describing uh, the history of the Dark Saber yes. to uh, Kanan, and you see the shadow on the wall to describe it. Really, oh. really cool. One by yeah. far my favorite part of the episode. It it actually favorite? reminded me a uh, uh, pretty close actually. Okay. It was, I mean, it was all it was a lot of exposition, but right. it was done in such a cool way that I just I don't know. It reminded me a lot. I was gonna say of uh, the original Clone Wars two D animated series. Yep. Yes, specifically yep. Anakin's vision on Nelvan, um, or Nelvan, exactly. where uh, yeah, you know, when you see the whole. Uh, there's a, he has a, he's a nightmare almost revision on the walls where you have these cave paintings, mm-hmm. which it looked very much like this as well. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Though. Awesome, awesome sequence. And I think what was nice about this, and I appreciate what was done in the 2D series, this was done the same way, but a little bit more simplistic because the other one, how that evolved was really technical. This was very simplistic, but still very impactful, which was oh, really, really cool. Well, that's yeah, because it, they took a they took something from Harry Potter here, pretty much. Oh, they did exactly. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay, in, enlighten me because I'm not as as. Please don't shoot me. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so go ahead. Oh, you wouldn't be the first. Um, I feel I feel sad for you, but uh, no. So there, if you haven't seen the Harry Potter films, spoiler alert: they've been out for a while. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two there is a moment where they go and they're trying to figure out what the Deathly Hallows actually are and 
Hermione goes into telling a story, an ancient children's story, and they do an animated sequence like this that is in shadow. You need mm-hmm. to see it because once you see it, you will see what I'm talking about, that it's done in almost the exact same way that the shadows kind of come up on a wall, you know, as they're telling the story. It's very, very Harry Potter-esque. But they kind of did the same thing in the Gendy Tukowski Clone Wars series when they did the cave paintings like William was saying. So could you say that maybe Harry Potter took it from the Clone Wars? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I'm just saying it's it's a really cool storytelling uh-huh. mechanism and most people because not i own the gendy tartakovsky series but not everybody does and not everybody has mm-hmm. seen it mm-hmm. and for a lot of people i saw on twitter after this happened a lot of people were like harry potter vibes harry potter vibes and mm. it feels a lot like that mm-hmm. yeah oh. either way I, I love the sequence yeah mm-hmm. um, I, I haven't seen you know, the Harry Potter movies myself, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed the sequence a lot. And it was so, cool to find out the history of the Darksaber too. I think Steven. I, I was about to go into it. So we find out that the Darksaber was created by a uh, Mandalorian Jedi at some point in the past. Um, and I, so uh, they, we, we saw the flash of, uh, you know, the helmet on the wall. Mm-hmm. It felt very Revan-esque to me. And I realize it's because Revan's mask basically is a Mandalorian mask, but I wonder mm-hmm. if this ties into that in some way. Because if you, for those of you who have played Knights of the Old Republic, Re- <clears throat> Revan was very closely tied with the uh, Mandalorians, particularly right. in KOTOR 1 and in mm-hmm. KOTOR 2 actually as well. So I wonder if this is part of that history now or is related to that history. There's something an idea. that also I mean, up. What's it, Tom? Go ahead. No, you go ahead first. Well, so it's interesting because in the episode they say that um, the the dark saber is this one of a kind weapon created over a thousand years ago by Tar Vizsla. Mm-hmm. So it could be that Revan is um, Tar Vizsla. He goes by Tar Vizsla while he's ruling the the Mandalorians. But also mean he's part of House Vizsla, which is is interesting. It also says this that he was the first Mandalorian to ever become a Jedi, not a Jedi to rule who uh, who was you know, the first Jedi True. to become a Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's actually Revan or not. Um, but supposedly the Jedi kept the dark saber after he died uh, until House Vizsla came in and stole it from the Jedi. Uh, then Vizsla, House Vizsla ruled all of Mandalore with the Darksaber. It became an important symbol of that house, and it's respected by all the Mandalorian clans. Okay. That sounds exactly like the Elder Wand in Harry Potter. <laughs> now, but you see also, there was a thing that popped up online. I'm, I'm not a fan of um, stuff that was cut out and put on the cutting room floor. Okay. Because to me, that's basically does not exist. But supposedly there was a deleted scene that may have brought... For this episode, then? Pardon? It was supposed to be from the Clone Wars. Okay, from Clone Wars, not from from the Clone Wars. Right, it was when Revan was supposed to appear in the Clone Wars, right? Yes, Revan was supposed to appear in the Clone Wars. So... Okay. Yeah, so if they're they're trying to make a connection to to Revan, I mean... See, I'm still... I I liked... and I I hate jumping around, but... 
I, I think we're at a point right now to where when Kanan gets to a point and he he gets Sabine on the ground and says, you know, the Mandalorians lost the Jedi one, get over it. Okay. I I'd like Yeah, it's it's a little harsh, but I'd like to know about that battle. I mean, you know Well that's wasn't that okay? Actually, I'm gonna say let's save this until we get to that. Part yeah, of the I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I hate jumping around because I I I I hate jumping around. But you know. But in the, any case, so we find out that uh, even though when did so when did Sabine get the dark saber? She she got it in the episode she, with Maul, right? Yes. Yeah. So she it's got been it in <clears throat> Visions and three, Voices, and that's what two or three episodes ago. Uh, it was episode. I want to say like. 15? I'm looking right check. now. It couldn't be 15 because we're um, on 15. Oh, sorry. Not 15. Uh, 10. Uh, it was 11. 11. Episode okay. 11. So she's voices. had it for four episodes now and hasn't told Fenn. And uh, we're kind of led to believe that this is because Sabine really doesn't want... Like, she knows what this means to her people and what this means for her. And she'd really rather not have that sort of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I really like that this is one of the first time – I shouldn't say first times. This is one of the biggest uh, character development episodes I think we've had for Sabine in a long time. I agree. Yeah, and we've we've gotten little yeah. bits and pieces about her here and there, right? But I feel like they've always doled it out in tiny little – Well, they always you know, do it in little and pieces, and, it's, and we get the backstory, but we don't ever really see – I don't feel like we've seen her change. Yeah, and, and, and this one, like – this was a fantastic episode for Sabine. I loved it because it really did grow her character a lot. And mm-hmm. um, you see that what she struggles with and she was able to actually open up to the crew of the ghost. You know, we, and, and I, th- yeah. and it, I think what helped in that is when uh, I was watching rebels recon with Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni said he actually talked to, I'm getting her name correctly. I want to get it correct. Tia Sakar. He actually, yeah, he, he talked to yeah. Tia Sakar and filled her in on this episode, which it sounds like he doesn't normally do that with the voice actors, but it seemed like this was so important that he wanted to give her, you know, a little bit of a heads up so she can actually get into character more. And it really was, I hate jumping around. It it, it was almost like a heartbreaking episode to see some of Mm -hmm. this happen, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely because she did a great job voice acting this, this, this episode. And you really got down to almost like the bare bones of Sabine in this episode. Mm Hmm. Yeah, which I feel is important, though. She's been so guarded, and she's had a wall up this entire time for almost mm-hmm. three years of us watching her and getting to know her. And we haven't really gotten to know her because right. she hasn't let us in. And this is right. the first time that she lets pretty much any of them into her world. And she's that hardened teenager that's been through a bunch of stuff and has basically been abandoned. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out that it's because of a whole bunch of things. I don't want to jump too far forward, but right. there's so many things that have led to now I understand like why she's obsessed with explosives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But know? also you can see why she's an artist too, because there was a shot when they went into Sabine's bunk, she has graffiti on the wall and you saw like the puffer pig, the purgle, you know, Ketsu, Anyo, Lando, Callus, Zeb. I mean, and then there was that nice of his best shot. friends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had that nice shot of like everybody, you know, surrounded. It's like you could see why she's so expressive this way because it's like there's so much pain. She needs to get it out. And being an artist, she can be expressive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they find out, they they realize, you know, Fen talking with, uh, Fen reveals to Kanan how important the Darksaber is through that that whole 2D sequence like we're talking about. 
apparently the the Harry Potter sequence, and uh, <laughs> and they realize that with this dark saber, they could unite the Mandalorians and raise a Mandalorian army led by Sabine. And this would be a huge, huge asset to the rebels. So, of course, they ask Sabine to do this. And so I've... without them even saying a word, mm. she walks into the, you know, in, into the into the the cabin and instantly knows what they want. They want and, and starts refusing, you know, to wield the the dark saber. So I have I have to say I'm not a big fan of that idea that like. Because she has the Darksaber, suddenly they have this ability to unite the Mandalorian clans. Because politics hmm. and, you know, getting people to fight for you, usually a little more complicated than like, hey, check out this thing I have. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the episode, I guess it at least makes it simple. Yeah, I Is it the seen... sake of the episode or basically because that, that's Mandalorian culture? Right. Because we've seen but, some cultures uh, I, with that in real world, too, where, like, you know, you have something. Uh, it's like, oh, okay, you're the ruler. You know, not, not as many modern co- cultures, obviously. But... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we can we can continue. That's yeah, fine. but y'all okay. skipped something really important. That you was skipped, what did we you, miss? You, you skipped when Chopper tells her that everybody's there, and she oh. says okay, and she gets up and she walks by and she touches the top of his dome and he starts purring. That you know what? <laughs> That's right. right. Thank you for bringing that up. Wow, That's I almost forgot right. that detail. That's I loved right. I loved that because it showed yes Chopper's a jerk but cats can be very compassionate I know because I have 3 of them and that was his compassionate moment for the past 3 years that's it that's but at one. least we know that he's capable <laughs> when he wants <laughs> the, to the one moment yeah 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 but, but it's 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 fun to it's interesting to see to watch Sabine's resistance to this and then eventual acceptance. You know, first she says, first she refuses, no, I won't wield this lightsaber. And and when, when Fenn's, you know, tells her that Maul divided her people with it, but she'll be able to unite them, she calls him crazy. And when she turns to everyone else to agree with her, they actually side with Fenn. You know, and you can kind of see the surprise and the, uh, you know, and the and the frustration in, in, in her face. Uh, especially when um, especially when Hera asks her to to wield it, it's, mm-hmm. and you can you can actually see like Hera doesn't really want to, you know, because she knows how painful it is. I have to say, I but thought it was can... a very bold ask on Hera's part. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you can you can yeah, you can hear the sadness and the disbelief in Sabine's voice when she says, "Hera, you know, like why are you asking this of me?" Uh, and you feel bad for her, but you know, it's she knows that she. she she doesn't have to do it. The the rebels aren't going to force her, and this Kenan even mm-hmm. says as much. But they really need her to do this, mm-hmm. and and so that's why she reluctantly agrees. Yeah, it's I think like it's a big step. Go go ahead, go ahead, Teresa. I think it's Hera and Kanan saying that to her because she views them, maybe maybe not exactly like parental figures, but parental figures. And mm-hmm. oh, totally. When yeah your mom and your dad are asking you to do something, even though they know that it's going to be extremely painful for you. It almost makes you just, you know, put on your big girl pants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess. Actually, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. Cause she even says at one point, you know, that she isn't popular with her family these days and that it won't change. 
and she says, I have a family here on this ship. I don't need them, them being her, her Mandalorian family. So she does. Like she, she flat out believes that they're her family, Tom. Well, I was going to say when it comes to Hera, this is, this is a big step in command for her because she has got to ask somebody almost against their will to do something to help a cause. And in a way, she's got to come up with the best way to convince this person to do it because it needs to be done. That, to me, was a big step for Hera as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think she didn't even really have to convince her. She just had to say, this is what we need from you. This is the duty that you have to play right. as a part of this team. Are you or are you not a part of the team? Are you in or are you out? You know? Right. Not that they would kick her out, but it was more of like a that kind of thing. Mm. Because she wasn't trying to sell her. She wasn't trying to appeal to one side or the other. She just very bluntly was like, I have to ask you to do it. Yeah, the, the whole scene was just so well done. And we got some nice little moments in there as well. Like, you know, Ezra... Ezra kind of <laughs> gave me a little jab saying, oh, oh it take me a while to learn how to fight with a lightsaber. And come on, I use the force. So how are you? How do you think you're going to actually, you know, fight with a lightsaber? Yeah, um, I kind of wanted to kick him in the face. Ezra in this episode, <laughs> I was going to agree. Ezra in this episode was a little on the rough side, given everything Sabine is going mm-hmm. for, going through, I mean. Uh, he was uh, not particularly nice. But in some ways, he he almost, I don't know. I don't want to say he almost had to, but it's it wasn't until Kanan really pushed hard like that that, that Sabine actually broke too, and we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. True. But you know, uh, they they of course decide to go train, um, train Sabine so that when the time comes, she will be able to wield the light, the dark saber, um, and 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 defeat. The enemy, her enemies, because as Cannon says, once people know you have it, you will be challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she decides she's going to learn how to kick everyone's. But you know what? Because they they cut the line there. <laughs> and, and there's one. There's actually one thing I really I really appreciated was the line. I think it was Ezra that delivered. It's just like you know, you know, you, the first lesson: don't try. You almost expected the other line. You know, do or do not. There is no try. I like how it just came back is, you know, don't try, just learn, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, you know what? She had to learn this. It's not like, it's like, you know, do or do not, there is no try. It's like, right. well, I love that. I, I just, I, I, I really love that. Yep. So Kanan and Ezra take Sabine away from chopper base to practice so that it'll be safer and she'll do less damage. And of course, Sabine retorts, I'll do less damage. That will damage you if you don't shut up. Um, but uh, not the first time nor the last time the two of them no. will have issues this episode. <laughs> no, but I love the look of the campsite in this episode. I love uh, that first shot. I almost looked straight out of episode five. It totally did. Very much had a loop on digging. I'm sure it was intentional. The little circle with the uh, the power core mm-hmm. generator, whatever it is, on one of it. I, I think all it was really missing was uh, Chopper, I suppose. Yeah, he didn't uh, need to be there. I was paying attention to their tents. Uh-huh. Well, any any uh, discoveries? Really? With their tents? Um. 
they look cool and kind of like my tint. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought there was some, there, there was some there, big profound revelation. But no, okay. no, my husband and I just started camping, so I was paying oh. attention to their tents. Oh, okay. <clears throat> There's the new line of camping equipment coming from Lucas, one of Lucasfilm's licensees very soon. Oh, um, that'd be awesome. I'm just kidding. The North Face makes the Star Wars Rebels tent. That would be fun. The Chopper Base Face. Um, okay. I, I got a question for you guys. I, I got a question shoot. just to throw out here. Did you expect Kanan to actually start Sabine out with basically practice sticks? Did you expect that? Kind of, yeah. No, really? but only because I had seen uh, a short clip of part of the episode where they were training, I think, with the actual saber. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I expected yeah. they would start there because of that. But I liked the training sabers. And it was a, um, a neat, low-tech way to kind of do what we saw in the Clone Wars where the Jedi had... You know, the training sabers that were right. the mm. same, but just a little more low-powered. And right. I, we even saw the training sabers earlier in Rebels, too. Remember where oh, they were we in the cargo bay? Oh, we did? There was that shot of them looking down at the cargo bay, and they were tra- Kanan was training Ezra with the, with the, the training oh, sabers. I, that, I think you are right. Oh. Uh, you know, yeah. But what's interesting, and Sabine or Hera actually calls Kanan out on this, is that um, you know, he did start with the the sticks for Sabine instead of the lightsaber like he did with Ezra. Cause Ezra mm-hmm. didn't use a, um, one of these fighting sticks at Mm-mm. all. And Hera yeah, no, calls I Kanan out on that. I love that. I was like, so what you're starting her with a, with a stick because she's not a Jedi and she's a girl or like, what's, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. And when Hera did that, I was like, thank you. Oh my God. Well, yeah. I have to say if it wasn't for the wooden stick, when Sabine sat there and did her stretching exercises and kind of did the whole like, you know, moving her head back and forth and the the stick behind her her back and stuff, if that was an actual lightsaber, there would have been issues for her. She <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be able to do all that stretching exercises. But I have to say, joking aside, which that was a bad joke, trust me. Um, I actually love that because that really showed to me some really care in at that mm-hmm. animation, and that oh. really showed great character development for that little I, I agree and like has yeah. the the animation especially in this episode seems to have like improved by leaps and bounds like that like that yeah. little animation like you said when she was stretching with the the wooden stick and stuff and, and i almost uh, want to say you you could hear some some extras audio on that too to where there's yeah. like the the little audio of like when her neck when the neck crack and all that yeah and, and the the facial expressions throughout the episode everything was just so well done and it was yeah. really fun also to see ezra and sabine training on the different lightsaber forms you know, they that was positions. I really like that was cool. You know, we I feel like we've gotten a little bit of it of it in the past, but this is really we got to spend more time with it and really well. And actually, as I'm thinking about it, I don't know if lightsaber forms are actually canon. They I are. believe they are. They are. So the well, one of the first well, times we really the... see them. Well, in non-canon, the Jedi path, which is what I always go to, but they right. were actually right. canonized in. Every absolutely everything you need to know about Star Wars, they are canonized yes. in there. Okay, mm. I knew they were. I obviously we were familiar with them from Legends. I wasn't sure if they were still around in the okay. new canon, but right. okay. But it was really yeah. neat to see again. One, I'm, I'm going to say it again. One of my favorite parts of the episode was watching the sequence where uh, much later in the episode where Kanan and Ezra or Kanan and uh, wow, I was going to say Kanan and Hera, Kanan mm-hmm. and Sabine. Went started going through the forms faster and faster mm-hmm. and faster. Yep, it yeah. was really really cool. 
It was. It was. So I, I, I like that they included that in this one and you know, kind of delved into it a bit more. They don't like explicitly say this is form one, this is form two, but they, they show you briefly. Mm. Uh or the different moves for a particular form. So that was that was really good. Um but we did get one interesting line that I wanted to, to kind of unpack a little bit here. When Kanan and, and Hera are talking, this is after a time jump of a, of a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sabine's already been training for a few days. Without much success. Correct. Um, and, and Sabine or Hera questions Kanan and says, you know, I don't I don't think I think you're starting Sabine out with a training stick because you don't have confidence in her. since so she doesn't have the force. And Kanan says, no, the force resides in all living things, but you have to be open to it. Sabine is blocked. Her mind is conflicted. She's so expressive, yet so tightly round, wound. She's so... And Harris says Mandalorian. He says, oh, very. Does this mean... And that's why I want to get your thoughts. Do you think we'll see, see Sabine start to open herself up to the Force in this? And actually start to be able to use the Force? What, what, is that, uh, that, what does this no. mean on the... What are the uh, implications no. on this? No. Because no. we know, like, we know the Force is in all living things, right? And we know it's you know obviously going back to the phantom menace which not a lot of people don't really like but it's based on your midichlorian count but everyone has some connection to the force but here so, it sounds like kanan saying you can she can open herself she so does the way, start to open herself the way i read that is because there's also a sequence in the end where he talks about being in tune with the blade and how mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. You, she can you can hear the blade and it starts to grow right. in tune with her and things like that i thought to me, this was an extension of kind of the kyber crystal mythology we've been getting mm-hmm. in a lot of the Rogue One novels mm-hmm. uh, or the Rogue One story and things like that. That this is the lightsaber itself does have uh, a some sort of I don't want to say intelligence, but like could you say life of its own? Yeah, like a, a it is capable of forming a bond with its creator or with yeah. its wielder, even if they're not force sensitive. Uh yeah. Yeah, because you bring up a good point because the one thing, when it came to that and when she started connecting with the blade, because originally when she grabbed the, the dark saber, she was like, it's heavier. But then mm-hmm. as she started connecting That's more right. to it, it got a lot lighter. So mm-hmm. my yeah, biggest yeah, thing, my, my, my biggest thing, and, and sorry to interrupt, but we we when it came to the Ahsoka book and they were talking about the colors of the uh, lightsabers, why is the dark saber black? Is there and also its shape too? Because it's definitely shaped different than a lightsaber. It looks more like mm-hmm. a sword than a well, lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Well, it's ancient, so okay. the lightsabers didn't always take that shape. I mean, you would have to go back into legends for this, but in you know Dawn of the Jedi and some of those other things, they were actually shaped like swords. They were not okay. mm-hmm. lightsaber shapes. So exactly. that could it's be been a while since I've read those. So that could be something that they're pulling in here. Also, whatever bond this kyber crystal that's inside of the Darksaber has with when it was made, it's giving this form. This is how it looks. So right. now going back to Ahsoka, like you were talking about the novel um, we're talking about lightsaber crystals that were formed a certain way and maybe from a certain area. So mm-hmm. it's very possible this kyber crystal is not from Ilum. Okay. It mm-hmm. could be from somewhere else. Which would make um, sense. Probably. You know. Yeah. And the inner workings of that darksaber are obviously different than a regular lightsaber. And 
you you were also talking about the the kyber crystal having some sort of a life of its own and i think that they do and i think everything you said was completely on point i'm actually it's it's so interesting i love having these conversations as i am in the process i have been for the past six months of writing a massive article about this and how it relates to wand mythology Uh, and so mm. this is like I'm like, I get so into it. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, please. Don't, don't yeah, worry. This go is ahead. great. I love, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just Pablo confirmed on Twitter because I asked him, and that's kind of where this all started. I asked him about the color of the lightsabers, and in Legends, they already had their color. But in the new canon, they are all clear. Until Mm -hmm. they bond with whoever finds them and Mm -hmm. they actually call to them. It's not like you just go in and you just find one. It actually sings to you and calls to you and you can feel its presence and you can go Mm -hmm. towards it. And so there's this whole craziness behind that. But I think the shape comes from legends. It's a tie-in from legends. Okay. I think you might be right. I'd always actually assumed that the dark saber was in fact like a vibroblade of sorts and that uh it wasn't actually a lightsaber so i was surprised and it was fascinating that this episode explicitly says explicitly calls the dark saber a lightsaber uh so it really is a form of lightsaber which was surprising i think that's the first time i've ever done that it's always been it's always they've always called it the sword or the dark saber they never call it a lightsaber until this episode so that was kind of cool to see um also one i think really important thing that happens right after kanan says his whole thing about sabine opening herself to the force two convoys land yes nearby ahsoka is watching <laughs> what like <clears throat> it's very interesting to me that, that two convoys land and later in the episode and i'm gonna bring this up real quick because um yeah i I don't think it's 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 okay to jump forward uh not only do two convoys land here and every time they land there's been some sort of significance with the force i think in the the series when we see convoys there's also a sequence later on where sabine kicks a rock and, and and walks away and as soon as she turns her back the rock moves and it's actually bendu and all we get is okay. a look from Bendu. Yes. All we get is oh a look. There's nothing else. Okay. Now wait. Now wait. <clears throat> go ahead. Tom. I'm sorry. Wait, okay. Why? Okay. Why do you think Bendu is in this episode? Because I we know at one point. At one point, uh, according to the the episode guide, I think, or Rebels Recon, Kanan was originally supposed to seek guidance from Bendu, but they switched it to Hera instead to kind of keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. But why still have that look from Bendu in this episode? He doesn't talk to anyone at all. Teresa, I think you had a thought here. And then Tom? Yeah, I'll Teresa, go Tom first. Go Ladies first. Oh, okay, okay. Ladies first. So, Ladies first. First of all, I even knew that it was going to be Bendu before he turned around. Because when she sat on him and then she kicked him, I was like, quit kicking Bendu. And then he turned and I was like, told you, told you, told you, told you. <laughs> nice. But I think he's there because there is a massive amount of force energy 
being channeled at this campsite from mm. the lightsaber, the dark saber, and all the individuals that are there. And they're all entwined and connected to the force. And he's almost like overseeing what is actually happening here. Interesting. And what is happening to the dark saber? Because I think he, in a way, is a protector of the force and a protector of things that are connected with the force. Mm. And so for me, anyway, that's it. Okay. Interesting. Tom? Okay. I'm taking this aspect. There's a period of time before she goes back to the base and basically, um, I mean, goes back to the camp and basically says, okay, you know, let's continue training. Do you think she had a conversation with Bindu that we never saw? Maybe something that gets revealed in the next episode. That, that somehow is my feeling. I don't think so. You don't. don't Okay. Why? Why? I'm probably um, wrong. And if I'm wrong, that's fine. But I feel like they would have shown it. Uh, Why hide it? Because maybe at this point, it's not important to the story. Maybe it has to be like, like Stephen like said. It's very important to the story. Okay. But, but at this juncture of the story, maybe if it is a quote unquote two-part episode, maybe Stephen is correct. It's something we could see in the next episode. It's something that we don't need to see now. We just need to know that she kicked a rock, it hit Bindu, Bindu turned, Bindu turned around, and then it appeared time passed before she came back to base at camp. Hmm. Interesting. I don't you know, know if it's actually, he uh-huh. so much had a conversation with her, if more of he willed her through the force to go back. And was kind of guiding her and keeping her actually, from necessarily walking away. Or just at least but, watching over her. Yeah. He, this is, so this is the sequence where she's gone for like actually a couple of hours, right? That's what right, I was going right. to say. Yes. Yeah. Cause she's you gone know, for a couple I, hours. I, I'm actually, I'm on board with Tom now. Cause as I'm thinking about it, cause I remember being confused by this, but so, cause there's uh Kanan come, is it Kanan or Ezra who comes after her? Ezra. Yeah. Okay. So I couldn't remember, but Ezra comes after her. They talk. Uh, oh, that's right. Cause Ezra has that, the throwaway line of like, at least you have parents, which we'll get yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah that um, hurt. I love that. Love, love that little zinger. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, so she's like, oh, I feel bad. And then she's, it's like, that felt uh, from a thematic standpoint, like, okay, she's realized that she's being a little hard uh, on like Kanan and Ezra as far as this goes. And so, therefore, you know, it's time to change. Right. And then we get the next scene, but it's multiple hours later where she finally comes back, which like, right. something happened there because like she's already made. That mental change of like, okay, I'm being a little mature. I can be better than this. To like, that was the cue to come back, and she didn't. And the question mm-hmm. is why. It's hmm. a good point. She's a girl, and she had to think. <sighs> but then, why was Bindu there? And that's why I said that. And and Stephen, you you brought up very valid. Thank you for backing me up on this. But even Kanan said the same thing that she was gone for a few hours when she finally came back. So why was Bindu there? Well. I think there may have been a conversation that we may not see until the next episode. I may be wrong, but to I'll play speculate. Devil, I'll, to play even more the other speculation card. Go ahead. What if she does have some for, amount of force sensitivity? Maybe not enough to be a full Jedi, but what if she's... Well, I, mean, I think everyone has some force sensitivity, right? No, but I'm, I'm talking about more than your average person. Uh, yes. I will say significant with no need to explain what that actually means, but uh, maybe something in line with a uh, Lyra from Rogue One. 
where she's more in tune with the Force than the average person, but still not enough to control and wield it like a Jedi. Okay, but then that's going to be the same thing with, um, uh, was it Tirith Inway? Because maybe he, same thing back to Rogue One, he didn't have the Force, but he believed in the Force. I know that's in the one of the canon books, but I, it still bothered me a little. In any case, I mean, very, very interesting. But like, okay, so if we want to talk about that, I mean, if Chirrut has a connection to the Force, which I fully believe that he did, he couldn't wield it the way other people would, but he used it. He used right. it to be able to fight. When he died, why couldn't, this is just a thing about Rogue One that bothers me, why couldn't the Force have said, you are such have been such a loyal follower. We will accept you into you know our being and have him just disappear like a Yoda. That would have been amazing. Sorry, I'm just okay. still bummed about that. He might be a guardian of the wills, but he didn't know have the knowledge of the wills. Anyway, yeah. before we, <laughs> but yeah. okay, but here, okay. So when you brought up Sabine being force sensitive, honestly, I cringe at that. I don't. Huh. To be I, fair, you know I don't like the idea either. It, I, I don't like it But either. it could explain what we were seeing. Um, actually, we're forgetting one of the scenes that I really, really liked in this episode. I'm going to say – I'm saying this about a lot of scenes. I'm realizing Okay, go back. Go back then. <laughs> going go backwards, ahead. Fen yeah, Rao yes. shows up after hearing that the training's not going so hot uh-huh. and has – Came with uh, supplies from, from, uh, from Some Hera. supplies. Yep. And, Unfortunately, uh, and not bring patience and understanding. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love how I can, how Kanan asks Hera for that. Yeah. Anyway, please please continue. But Steve. I was going to say he brings a couple of uh, Mandalorian toys for uh, Sabine to play with. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. He now, did indeed. I liked this. I liked this because for me, later in the training, when naturally, as I said, if you call attention to something, you better use it later. That's exactly what happened later. Because within these, she definitely got, you know, it, it was the blaster barrels, you know, a repulsor, the energized rope, you know, a shield emitter, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff is within those, you know, and, and the dart launchers. Mm-hmm. So for me, and as it was said, these were created to basically equal a Mandalorian to a Jedi. And playing, when you continue, when, when we get to that point later, when there's actual training with the saber... I'd like to bring up at that point why I appreciated her getting mm-hmm. those at this point because it yeah. plays out later. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, they're just playing out, playing cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like the, the Van Braces quite a bit. Yeah. Although I feel bad because, like, Fen Rao gives her these beautiful artifacts, I'm going to say, like, you know, family heirlooms. I'm going to pretend for a moment. And then Kanan goes and slashes one. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. <laughs> like, he did break it. Yeah, he did. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think that's Sabine's fault for for cheating. You know, um, I don't know if it's cheating. I would say <laughs> well, it was no, no, cheating no, no. Okay, at okay. that okay. point. Okay, Ezra yeah, didn't I'll know she a... had him. Okay, but but I'll I'll back up a bit because here's here's I thought this was later, but it happened here. This is what I liked about this because Kanan even was kind of goading her, saying, "You know, use all your skills." And you know what? To a certain extent, he was hard on her for saying that, but he should actually, you know, 
back off on what he said because she did use her skills. She mm. used the rope to catch her, uh, to, to bring back the Darksaber hilt when it was knocked away. She did use the repulsor as a force would use, you know, a, a Jedi would use a force push to push him away. She was using her Mandalorian skills on top of learning how to use the blade when he said, use all your skills. And Not then he gets at mad at scene. her. Oh, this was later? Th- yeah. That was later. Oh, at this bummer. first scene. I'm sorry. I jumped too far ahead. <laughs> at this scene is when she uses the rope to tie it around Kanan. Okay. And to pull him forward. Like, yes. she's still angry at this point, And she's using these tools not as a conjuncture with everything she's learned. She's just doing her Mando thing. And she right wasn't now. even fighting Kanan at the time. She was just like, fine, let me she, tie you up. Yeah, right. she wasn't. Uh, she was fighting Ezra. And then she just takes off and just, you know, attacks Kanan. And that's when he comes back. He slashes one of her things because he's like, you know, you are being a child. Mm-hmm. Cut it out. And then yeah, right. he says the line that, um, you know, the history lesson line. Which yeah. I actually think is very important, right? Because, yes, you can rely on these tools. But, you know, as he says, these tricks will amount to, to, they'll, they'll amount to something and maybe save you. But they won't keep you alive in the long run. Only training and discipline will help with that. And so he's trying to, like, drill it into her. Yes, you can have all these things. But there are going to be a time when you won't have these. and Or maybe they won't work or something. That's what you know um what Django learned <laughs> uh okay so at this point i mean I'm, i know now i'm going to jump back a bit again but at this point does this make anything within the legends line about the jedi mando war canon or is this something different separate from something that happened I, within now the quote-unquote legends my first take was that they were talking about uh clone wars because we know there was i guess there wasn't a full jedi mando war in the clone wars though mm-hmm no, I think okay. it is the past. Uh, I think I want to say it's been referenced before in the new uh, canon. I feel like it. Ha- I feel like it was referenced in Clone Wars, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm not positive. But has that ever played out in Legends? This this Jedi Mando War. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. It was in Legends. So, uh, the question is, in the I mean, it's Kotor was. Well, I it was Kotor. yeah, but. But okay, okay. Here's the question: not not to go left field on this, but is Kotor still considered non-canon, or is Kotor yeah, it's now non-canon? Canon. Yeah. Why don't they just make it canon? They, they don't make anything not, canon. Yeah, video games are not canon. Yeah, and they don't just take any story and just make the whole thing canon. They okay. they they just bring in elements. But anyway, that's why Sabine runs off, right? She's like, you know, clearly you must be pretty gifted, Ezra, to learn from such a lousy trainer like like Kanan. And another great zinger. Yeah. And so yep. she runs off and that's when we start to kind of unpeel the layers of the onion that is Sabine a bit more. Right. Cause she, Ezra goes after her and she tells, you know, he, he admits that Kanan isn't the easiest teacher, but he means well. And that's when Sabine starts to open up about her family. And she says to hit to them, she's actually a disgrace and a traitor. And no one really understands how she feels. She can't go back and face her people, let alone lead them. And so we start to get a bit more about, about her finally and and the 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 big the big reveal is coming soon but we we start to kind of learn a bit more about why she's so upset here yeah Um, there's only one line in this exchange and in this whole episode that i feel was sort of forced and not really recorded well which was mm -hmm. she she's talking about all of that and then her tone changes it's almost like it was edited weird and she's like i don't talk about these things like it just didn't mm-hmm. flow for me. Interesting. And I was like, hmm. You know, 
like I, she started to open up and then she shuts down, which a lot of people do, but the tone and I feel like it was recorded at separate times and then edited mm. together, you know, possibly. Yeah. You might be right. Mm. You'd be right. <clears throat> but that's when, you know, Kanan talks to Hera again and, and instead of Bendu, uh, and to, to get her advice and he realizes, you know, he's the one who's been, he, he was always holding back when he trained Ezra. He was afraid, um, you know, and Ezra was eager to learn, but he was afraid to teach him too much. He was afraid he was going to fail him with the case of Sabine it's the exact opposite. He's willing to train Sabine, but she's the one who's closed off. She's a capable warrior, but she can't or won't find balance within herself. And that's why he doesn't want to give her an actual lightsaber or the dark saber. Um, and, and Hera kind of <laughs> chides him a bit. It's like, you know, her, her family's hurt her more than any sword could. And using the wooden blade is, is only holding her back by, by giving her the dark saber. She'll actually be able to make some progress and kind of feel like she's trusted and connect with the, the blade basically. Yeah. You missed one of the best lines though, that she says that I think was probably the most impactful, mm-hmm. which is, when he says, well, I don't know. And she says, I know you don't, but this isn't about you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. And I was like, yep, it's not about you. It's about Sabine and what Sabine needs, not about what you need and what you're comfortable mm-hmm. with. You're totally right. And, and, and Hera is really the only person who knows what Sabine's going through in some ways. Cause you know, her father didn't believe in her. Um, and, and Sabine's you know, family, doesn't either uh, and there's one more interesting line which i would love to get more backstory on and that and S- sabine actually sorry Hera actually says remember how hard it was for sabine to trust us i would love to get back get the backstory of like what what happened when sabine and Hera met what was that like um how did that all go down so maybe maybe someday we'll learn that'd be really cool yeah in the new dawn, we, we see Kanan and, and and Hera, but we don't we don't actually get we don't actually see when they they meet um, Sabine and and Zeb. Or uh, I guess we haven't seen Chopper, Chopper was yet in, either. I think Chopper was in. We know Chopper. Chopper was, was in a new dawn. Oh, Chopper's sure. already with Hera in a new dawn. Yeah, because remember Chopper landed on. Yeah, on I know Ryloth. he landed on the planet. I guess we didn't see the yeah. moment yeah. they met, but I see your point. Right. Exactly. Well, we we got a little bit of that in the episode where he was basically pouting in front of the Y wing that was in front of her house. Right. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So now we get now we get to the fun. Well, okay. At this point, when Sabine comes back <laughs> to the camp, to me, this is where it's almost like heartbreaking mm-hmm. because of this. This is where I think the meat of the episode happened yes. at this point, and you really get the backstory of Sabine. You know, she returns to camp, she apologizes to Kanan, you know, and this is where she actually takes the dark saber, you know, and, and it's like, th- this is where she's admitting, it's like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you're, you're, you're completely right. And I, I really liked how she, she, she returns to the camp and she's at the top of the hill, you know, bathed in moonlight she walks down. That's when Kanan apologizes to her and finally hands her the dark saber. And you can see she doesn't really want to pick it up at first, yeah. but she finally ignites it. And with the, has a determined look on her face. And 
it's 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 really it's really fascinating the one moment the only moment that bothered me about this is that she says whoa it's heavier than i thought which is surprising given that one the weight of the blade should not change when you turn yeah. on the lightsaber uh, because it's light, and that's always been one of the challenges of wielding a lightsaber is that there is no additional weight on the end of the blade, so it's easy to mm. not know where it is and maybe slice your leg off or something. But more importantly, she used the blade in Visions and Voices. It's yeah, not the first time she's herself. turned it on. True. You're right. She was possessed by a night sister. So, uh, I, I mean, that, that's the only explanation okay. I can think of. She was possessed. I, but yeah, I don't think she was aware when she was possessed. Right. I feel like actually when they can't snapped out of it, they didn't really know what had happened. You can and I also think I wasn't bothered by her saying, you know, well, it's everything I thought because Kanan did kind of explain it away. But also for me, when you go back to Lucas explaining how he saw the lightsabers in and of themselves when he first thought of them, they were not, you know, they, they were an elegant weapon, but they were more along the lines of the old knight's swords. To where they were heavy, and you really had to have you know muscle behind them, so that line did not bother me because, like I said, it explained away once you know Kanan was saying once you start getting in tune to your blade, it will get lighter. True. Yeah. So I don't see it in the notes. Uh, one of my I don't remember if it was right around here or early in the episode. Uh, Kanan had a really fantastic line I thought about how uh, the dangers of the lightsaber, and if you're not careful, you'll end up losing limbs. Which I thought was uh, especially uh, a nice nod to the Star Wars universe and how it deals mm-hmm. with people like Anakin and Luke and mm-hmm. Count Dooku and I'm trying to think who else has lost a limb. <laughs> just about everybody. Every, just, yeah. just about everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. I, I I really enjoyed it. But then we get the the real the 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 big the big moment, right? The the training, training montage. Mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the dark saber and i think steven you were saying how much you loved this sequence and i i did too you know and we see how well, the just... blades are drawn to each other and electricity mm-hmm. arcs from the dark saber to the lightsaber when the blades are connected and he starts going through all the forms well it was beautifully animated and it was just and i, I almost don't know how to describe it like you they start off going very slowly and it the sword fighting looks very clunky. You're like this doesn't look like a lightsaber fight in mm-hmm. Rebels at all. And then they keep going, and it gets faster and faster. And the you they go from being clunky to having that kind of form that we're used to seeing the or not form, but the flow of the combat of the swings and the blocks. And it's just it's incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one thing I found fascinating is when the when it started. Kanan kind of reminded me of fighting style of Count Dooku, how he had almost like one one hand behind his back, and it was more of like um, like a regular saber fighting instead of the lightsaber fighting, and it was a, just that little bit more. I'm almost gonna say aristocratic, like Count Dooku when it first started. Interesting, I didn't notice that. Yeah, Th- yeah, that, that's how I saw it. Yeah, it was more like you a know. fencing style. Yeah, yes, that's what I meant. Fencing style. That's what I meant. Well, and he was doing a lot with uh, a a lot of strikes related more to hitting her with his hand and keeping her off balance and uh, things of that nature, which we're not used. We don't normally see in mm-hmm. combat. 
and stuff. Right, because he's really trying. He's, try, he's still trying to train her, right? So he's yeah, he's like, not trying to. Hurt he's her. not trying to like kill or maim. He's trying mm-hmm. to just you know, kind of yeah, make her drop her guard. Injure. Sorry, yeah. exactly. y'all don't get that. Y'all don't get that. That's a Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. thing too. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But <laughs> yeah, one thing sorry. he does do that Wrong was podcast. <clears throat> almost yeah, <laughs> almost Sith like in in many ways, right? Uh, is he taunts Sabine and constantly mm-hmm. berates her throughout this whole fight, and it's actually the the genius of his. It's what actually makes her break down. Um, you know, he starts saying, uh, "You know, you're making it easy on me," and then <clears throat> saying that she's fighting herself and losing. She's not committed to this. She should quit. And that's when finally, like something, you know, something that starts to snap in her. Mm-hmm. Right? Just she's right on the verge and. She's like, I don't quit. I never quit. And he just keeps berating her. And he was pushing, he was pushing the right buttons to yes. get her to the point to where he was trying to open her up because as it was stated earlier, she had herself all closed off. She wasn't willing, but he had to find that right button to push to start opening and peeling away the shell to get her to the point to where he just says, you did run, didn't you? And that was the breaking point where she just comes back and says no. And and the whole and thing could, is like, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean th- this whole this whole sequence is beautiful as it was voice acted, animated, and even even how it was lighted, directed, everything. It was so heartbreaking and heart wrenching to hear all this. Yeah, but it really no, broke out the character of Sabine. I agree, and I think the main thing that Kanan says, all of that, you know, all the berating and everything that he does. But when he finally says, so what is the truth? And she finally says, for me, the line, when she says my mother and my father, and then when she didn't finish, I was like, Oh no, she has a sibling of some sort. And then she says my brother. And I was like, she has a baby brother. I don't We've know never why heard this I feel. before. Yeah. I don't, oh. know why, I don't know why I feel that it's a baby brother, huh. but I just feel like she has a baby brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and she says specifically that she left to save everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Her mother, her father, her brother, everything she did was her family for Mandalore. She built weapons, terrible weapons, but the Empire used them on Mandalore, on friends, on family. They controlled Mandalore through fear. So the fear of the weapons that she helped create. She but helped she went to she, the Academy, didn't she? <clears throat> Well, she okay, did. but they never but, actually said what could, she did at the Academy, Academy that's right? right? She was an uh, explosive that's expert. True. That's right. Right. And she says these weapons that she created helped, she helped enslave her people. She wanted to stop it. She had to stop it. So she spoke out. She spoke out to save them, to save everyone. But when she did, her family didn't stand with her. They chose the Empire. They left her. They gave her no choice. The Empire wanted to destroy worlds, and they did. They destroyed hers, meaning Mandalore. Wow. Yeah, they turned them into it's pacifists. Like, Sorry. <clears throat> Tom. Sorry. <laughs> but we we learned so much about this and you know mm-hmm. that uh we, we learned like like you said Teresa that she has a brother. We didn't know this before. We learned that we knew her mother her parents were out there somewhere. We didn't know why they why she left them. And it's so heartbreaking to think she the things she did at the academy were used against her and against Mandalore. And she went, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't right. And when she tried to stop it, her family just didn't care and turned against her. And that has to be like the worst feeling in the world when, you know, you're trying to that, save your family. That's and, the uh-huh. moment it goes from, 
it's the moment it goes from a like a sad story to a heartbreaking story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would argue, I would argue this, that it's not that her family didn't care. It's that she was not conforming to what was being done on Mandalore and what Mandalore's loyalty is. That's a huge thing for the Mandalorian culture. You do mm-hmm. what Mandalore is doing. You don't do something opposite. You know, especially if you're from House of Disney, you you go down the path regardless of what happens and because she was choosing to do something else that is what created you know a rift between them so it's not that they didn't care it's just that they could not follow her it's it's so much similar to in my view to Anakin and Padme when Padme says you're going down a path I can't follow mm. you know and for them they cannot that's a, that would be a betrayal of their way of life. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't like to say that like her parents don't care. I don't think that's it at all. But, but Kanan actually came back with a great line to that. It's not that maybe the parents didn't care. I mean, he does say the empire rules with fear and not everyone can be as strong as you've been. Your family is in a prison, one of their own making. It's up to you to help them out. So they, the family cut her off. But because they're following the empire, they built this whole prison around them. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's it's not a literal prison. Was not no, but, that. no, but okay. but still, but still, it's no, it's not a literal prison. But, okay, I wasn't but, sure if that's what you were saying or not. No, 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 no. It's 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 definitely not a literal prison, but it does say that it's like your family is in a prison, one of their own making. They they didn't physically put themselves in prison. It's like how they've got themselves. <laughs> put put it this way, you can almost say it's the same thing with uh, with Galen Urso. The way he got so trapped into this and so brought in by uh, Krennic, he almost like built himself or, or got himself so suckered. There was no way he could get out of this quote unquote prison he got himself into. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Mandalorians. They followed the Empire. They are in this quote unquote prison that they built because they are in the Empire, that there's no way for them to get out. And they're looking for Sabine because she was able to get out to show them, hey, you don't have to be in this prison of your quote unquote own making. You can come out, look at me and I will show you the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I- I- exactly. And it's, ah, man, the the whole thing. And, and even the, the acting that Tia Sarkar did here when, you know, Sabine kind of l- lets it all out and she's, she's angry and she's heartbroken and sad and, you can see, like, she's even in tears by the very end. Kanan's on the ground, defeated. She does manage to defeat him, but, but she's, um, uh, but she's, uh, she also kind of kneels down on the ground. And it's just, she, she just can't, she can't handle it. It was, it was know? a, it was a very emotional outburst mm-hmm. that yeah. finally, after all <clears throat> these, we don't know how many years she's been away from her clan or her family. But for all the years she's been away, she's been a bounty hunter. And now she's working with the ghost and, and, and the Kurfina squadron. All that emotion that she had buried deep down inside, Kanan got her to the breaking point. And it actually, as, as mentioned at the top of the show, Dave Filoni talking to Tara Sakar about this, it really paid off in this episode. And it paid off in this scene because you mm-hmm. got that feeling from this that she had her breaking point and now she's come to grips with it and now she at this point 
can start building on that and get stronger and move forward. I mean, even he says, Canaan says, you've come a long way in a very short time. Where you go from here, it's up to you. But know that this family, the 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 ghost, and also uh, <laughs> I forgot his name, the other Mandalorian. You know they're going to stand by her no, no matter what. Thank you. You know, no matter what you choose, they will stand by her. Yeah, and that's yeah. very Sorry, important. Rose. No, it's very important though because since she truly considers them to be our family, mm-hmm. for her, for the very first time, to have people that she loves and trusts that are going to have her back. That is going to be the foundation that she builds off of as we go into these next, however many episodes Mm -hmm. and that she's going to draw her strength from them. Right. And the crew of the ghost has been behind her this whole time. Mm -hmm. It's just at this point, it's now, you know, solidified because she got this far and this information came out. It's only going to make that bond between her and the ghost crew much stronger. And that's going to give her the strength to say, if I have this small group behind me, then now I can go and get the rest of the Mandos behind me because it has to start somewhere. And this is where yeah. it started. And, and, and it's so great to see everyone kind of kneeling on the ground around her you know, saying they will, fo- they will follow her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. It's It's gotta be a great feeling to ha- actually have her family behind her for once, even mm-hmm. though they, they have been this whole time, <laughs> uh, just come out and say, you know, we're, we're behind you and we're, we'll, we'll follow you. Uh, it, well, it, just, seems, it seems like at uh, this point she needed to have that, that yeah. push behind her. She did. She did. And, and, yeah. and everything about this scene from the, the acting to the, to the lighting and the choreography and the music, especially the music. Wow. Kevin Kiner outdid himself again, uh, on the scene. Uh, it perfectly portrays her, her frustration and sadness, but also the, the hope and it supports and the sense of this new, uh, power or this ability, mm-hmm. you know, awakening inside her, maybe not the force necessarily, but you know, uh, and the, the hope for the future. Kevin Kiner did such a wonderful job in this episode. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, I just man, the, 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 those last five minutes alone, like I I watched rewatched over and over and over again after I first yeah. saw mm-hmm. the episode. <clears throat> I probably watched it, you know, five or six times in a row, just because it was so good. And it's heartbreaking to to really hear the reason why Sabine had to leave her family, and you get that you get really get a feeling for what she's going through, and it, it's honestly one of the the best moments of the series in 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 many ways. Um. I would say would be uh, behind the Ahsoka Invader confrontation that was like eight years of buildup. So it's kind of hard to top that. It would be interesting to find out how young, you know, how young she was and what kind of weapons she created for the empire. I mean, is it, was she part of, you know, a research group that created the weapons like, like Galen Urso, or was she like, she was so, she is so brilliant that she came up with these weapons that the empire was starting to use. So. Yeah, well, you, you know what I would love? I don't know if you guys have read the Junior novels all about, um, oh gosh, his name is escaping me now. Oh, I know what you're talking uh, about. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 I, I know, I know who you're talking about. In fact, uh, the, the other, sh- the other recruit, it's the spinoff yeah. from, 
Uh, You're the ones oh. that, that um, Jason Fry did. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah I know. It's right behind me. Yeah, I can't I reach it. But they, I would love a book series like that, minus the weird backgrounds on the pages. Let's just not do that again. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I'm with uh, you there. I would love a story like that because after reading those, when she was talking about being in the academy and having to make these weapons and stuff, I had more of a visual of what she may have had to do and go through just because of those books, the Zerleonis books. Like there was so much more depth to the academy now. Like I feel like I understand more about what the empire is doing at this current moment in time because of those. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go back and read those because I know I that agree. I started. I started reading them, but I stopped. I think after the th- second one. Oh, it was it was it was very good. There, I, the I, ending I is great. Yeah, and I like how it ties into other things as well. So it was very mm-hmm. good. Very good. Yeah, th- this this episode. To be totally honest, this episode completely subverted my expectations. I thought when I heard the name of the episode that we would instantly be going to Mandalore and she would be going through these trials while wielding the dark saber on Mandalore to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, reunite re- re- her people in many ways. And that's not what happened at all. Now that might be what happens in the next episode, mm-hmm. but in this one, it was, it was just a training episode on Mandalore, which I'm sorry, on, on Mandalore, on a Talon, which on the surface sounds kind of boring, right? Um, Kanan and Ezra teach Sabine how to fight with a lightsaber. That's it. Okay. Right. But when you, when, it, it turned out that it was actually one of the show's best episodes. Oh, absolutely. Because they, they really dived into Sabine. And, you know, it, it's fascinating because the episode was originally going to be combined with Warhead. It was supposed to be one episode where you had the droid in, in Warhead um, running around. And that was like going to be probably the the a plot and the b plot is um sabine learning how to use a lightsaber and midway through or well they're working on they're like wait a minute these really should be two separate episodes and i'm so glad they split them apart mm-hmm. agreed because because totally like agreed. i said it's one of the best episodes of the of the of the series so far well i think at this point we should get on to our ratings if, if there's nothing else to cover yeah, I think that's that's about it. Okay, Teresa, don't want to put you on the spot, but I still stand by the ladies first. Do you? Do you would you like to go first? Sure, because I already thought of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yay! Nice. Okay, so I'm giving this one a ten because, well, it's the best episode they've ever made, really, in my opinion. <laughs> so ten Womprats, and my Womprats are kneeling before Sabine to be a part of her army. Oh, nice. Nice. I like it. I like okay. it. Um, Steven, next. Steven. Oh, hey, look at that. My mic's been muted. I like <laughs> that's been true. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, You're up. I'm glad you're so, uh, welcome back. Any thoughts you. in the last, uh, I don't know how long you've been gone? <laughs> I don't know either. Um, I don't think it was that long, though. I'm hoping. Uh, let's see. So we were. Th- what, what were we talking about? We were talking about 
Oh, uh, when Bendu shows up, right? It's about halfway through the episode. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 Womp Rats is what I was trying to say when I realized my mic was muted. Um, <laughs> I really, really like the story of uh, this episode. The only thing I think that actually bothered me about it was some of the dialogue I felt was a little too cliche for mm. the type of episode it was. But on the other hand... For a 20-minute show that's trying to deal with something as complex as this type of thing can be and what Sabine is going through, I can forgive a lot of cliche dialogue when it gets the emotion across as well as this one did. Um, so, 9 out of 10 Womp Rats. And my Womp Rats, so uh, we thought Bendu was, like, you know, paying attention to Sabine. Uh, in fact... He was actually turning around to figure out why these, like, nine Womp Rats were crawling around him. Had nothing to do with the episode whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> just like ben his appearance <laughs> yep uh william why don't you go next i'll go last sure uh you know i like i said this episode completely surprised me i uh was expecting one thing and got something else and what we got was fantastic and you know well i could argue that oh the the beginning is like the beginning of the episode is is fine it's good it's not like Oh my gosh, what's going on the whole time? But that the moment at the end raised the bar for me so much um, that it just it lifted up the whole episode. And again, not that the whole episode was bad; it was it was fantastic. But it wasn't like this on the same quality bar as those last five, ten minutes or so. So um, anyway, love the episode. It's easily one of the show's best episodes so far. And uh, I think I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna go Teresa and give it a ten uh, out of ten. Uh, again. There were minor little things that I could complain about, but overall, it's it's worthy of a worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. So my ten Womp Rats are uh, hmm, my ten Womp Rats are actually I'm I'm actually gonna give each of the ten Womp Rats some Van braces, uh, so they can go start. You know, you you haven't seen Womp Rats until you've seen Womp Rats pushing back people with these. Uh, the sonic blasts are using their, you know, energized rope. That's scary stuff. Okay, so when it comes to the sonic blast, if they use it, are they actually going to be pushing people out of the way, or is it going to be more powerful? It's going to be pushing them backward. <laughs> uh, probably because the latter. In which case, there's really just a bunch of womp rats running around, scurrying around, and just going boom toward the floor okay. and flying up into the air <laughs> and like giggling and just doing it again and again and again okay i think yes. that's what and doing. that's what bendu was turning around to look at <laughs> okay all right before uh, they all kneeled i was always gonna say kneel before zod but that's a completely different podcast um anyway uh, you know what? I love this episode. I, I have to give this one a 10. And, and I give it a 10 because for me, I can really overlook a lot of this episode. If, there was not a lot that bothered me in this episode. Not at all. But it was the backstory we got for Sabine, how it was done. And I know it's probably only like the last 10, 15 minutes, but that made the episode. And that was like, it is one of the best episodes mm -hmm. they have done so far within Rebels, in my opinion, because of this. And I think a lot of it had to do with Dave Filoni talking to Taya Sakar, and they worked on that, and they pulled it off. And you really felt for this character. 
So I am giving this a flat out 10. I am taking my 10 Womp Rats. I'm going to put them on Mandalore. And you see, when the Mandalorian society goes back to being warriors, these 10 decide to stay pacifists. And they will just sit there on a platform watching everybody just leave. And they're just going to be like, now what? Because they're not going to get involved. They're just going to stay pacifists. So, Well, okay then. Yep. That's it. Awesome. Well, uh, coming up next, well, not next week, on February 18th, so far away, Yeah, we have the 16th episode of Season 3, Legacy of Mandalore. In hoping to persuade her family to help the rebels, Sabine returns home from with home with Kanan and Ezra and finds herself entangled in her family's power struggle over Mandalore. Uh, we could speculate about what's going to be in the episode, but I think we have a pretty good idea. And uh, I think we'll finally meet... Uh, we'll finally meet Sabine's mother, I think, for sure. And, uh, you know, there's been lots of speculation around, around who could she be. Um, but I think we'll finally meet her. Do you think we'll meet her, her, her father and her brother as well? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm really excited. Finally, we're getting backstory on on Sabine. Is this the episode where we might see the return of one Mandalorian that was kind of fighting Maul a little earlier? Because isn't there speculation or rumor or fact that Bo-Katan's coming back? That'd be I awesome. don't know about that. Oh, I thought I thought I heard Case Hackoff was back. You know what? I think I vaguely remember hearing something about that, but wow, it's been a while, so I don't know. It'd be interesting if know. it is. Either that or she's just playing a different character. She could be playing her mom. That could be true, too. Yeah. But I guess we did we'll find get, out. We did get confirmation on Twitter, though. Uh, Jonah Marie Macias from the Wookiee Gunner was actually tweeting about wanting to see more mother-daughter stories in Star Wars, and I forget who it was from the rebels team that said wait for season three of rebels yeah and so we're gonna get some major mom daughter stuff which i'm pumped about nice and um and yeah you're right katie katie sackoff it will be reprising her role in rebels season three so i would not be surprised if that's the next i keep wanting to say next week in the episode the next episode which is unfortunately uh just under a month away that's a heck of a wait three weeks mm-hmm. three weeks away yep cool. it's too bad so cool we'll be back soon with a review of that but in the meantime uh teresa thank you so much for joining us on the show again nope. glad to have again. you back on it's always fun i love being here and for such a great episode too i'm glad i was glad you could make it yeah me too yeah, I had this is the first time I've gotten a chance to talk about it because we didn't get to do Rebel Yell this past week, and so we have that coming up this week, and I can't wait mm. to dive into it again. Very cool. exciting, yeah, great, great episode. And uh, where can people find you if they haven't followed you already, and they should? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ice Cold Penguin. Um, I don't really have anything like Star Warsy to plug at the moment other than the stuff I normally do, but I kind of want to give a shout-out for my latest episode of Disney Vault Talk. We did, um, it's our episode that was a part of our big marathon to raise money for curing childhood cancer, and Mm -hmm. we raised over $5,000 last Saturday. 
Congratulations. In the podcast marathon. Yep. It was really awesome. And we did a show about our top 10 Disney TV shows. And the show we're talking about right now is in that list somewhere. So uh, I think you guys will like it. It's definitely a, it'll take you guys back a few decades <laughs> of TV. How nice. You don't want to give any spoilers, do you? And Just kidding. Well, I, I'll kidding. tell you. I'll tell you that. Uh, let's see. There's a certain show involving ducks that we talk about. Hmm. Mm. Tiny Toons. Just kidding. <laughs> That's not Disney. Oh, sorry. I <laughs> sorry. There was a duck involved in that one. I think we better there go, William. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably wise. Nice. Well, stay tuned for that for that episode, and stay tuned for our next review of Rebels in a few weeks. It'll be the weekend of February nine. Well, February nineteenth. Probably it'll be the episode we posted. So you get a few weeks off without us, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.